0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. It is so good to be together, and wasn't that an incredible time of worship? Uh, I'm so thankful to our worship team. And I had uh, mentioned to Shar earlier today, we could just do that. I don't need to share anything. Let's just uh, continue in worship in the Lord. And hey, you clapped on that first song. Well done. Uh, much better than the first service. We just won't tell them. So, <laughs> I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. Uh, today we, we ha- jump into the second week of our Colossians series. And I love this letter. I love this book. The book of Colossians is such a powerful book. It speaks so well to the culture of its day, but it also speaks so well, has a lot to say to our culture and context here in 2022. We're spending six weeks together in the book of Colossians, and even though we will be spending six weeks together, we won't be able to scratch the surface or or get to everything that this letter can teach us. And so... I just want to encourage you, like we talked about last week, to read this book and reread this book. Take some time. If you uh, maybe you know, uh, we've talked about this uh, quite a bit before, but we take some time to read. We post weekly devotions on our website that go along with the weekly teaching. Uh, take time to listen to our discussion we we uh Pastor Holly and I and we had a guest uh these this last couple of weeks uh Pastor Ryan Wilson kind of join us in our weekly discussion podcast so we try to get into more of the of the conversation around that and there listen to that uh, we also post other uh, resources for further study on the passage in the book that we're looking at we do that each week so we just want to encourage you to take some time to look through that. That's part of our first, the first step of our discipleship pathway, biblical teaching, right? Where, where we commit to learn and grow as we dive into the scripture, we let it speak to us, we let it unsettle us, and that's good because then the Lord shapes us. So remember, this time on Sunday is, uh, is only the beginning of a weekly Uh, learning and devotional process as the Lord speaks to your heart as we dive into this together. So just want to encourage you in all of those ways. So before we jump into the passage uh, for today, I want to just quickly remind us of a key point from last week. One of the things that we learned is that part of why Paul is writing Colossians uh, was because the importance of Jesus in his time and in that culture was being minimized, if you remember, other teachers had come into town and were teaching that Jesus was important, but not essential. That, he, that people should give him a place in their lives, but not first place in their lives. And that Jesus was prominent, but shouldn't be preeminent in their lives. And so Paul, in the beginning of this letter, pens one of the most beautiful passages that we have in Scripture about the character and nature of the person of Jesus, about who he is. Remember, it was a poem. It's a song that the early Christians used to read and recite and pray and sing. Uh, And Paul was asking the believers in Colossae and us today, is Jesus the central focus of your life? Is he who and what you're shaping your life around? Because there's nothing better than Jesus. And we looked at that last week. If you didn't get an opportunity, uh, go listen to that. And the reason I'm reminding us of that is because that, that passage that we looked at in, in Colossians 1, starting in verse 15, it's, it's essential for the rest of the book, for the rest of the letter. It is a foundation piece about who Jesus is and where he should be in our life. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we jump into other parts of the letter in Colossians so today, Paul continues what we started looking at last week, but he takes it to a brand new level. We're going to look at Colossians 1, 25 through 27, and he writes this, "'God has given me the responsibility of serving His church by proclaiming His entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles too.'" And this is the secret: Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. So I, I where I know we're just beginning this and looking at this passage, but this makes me so excited. Paul does some incredible, genius things in writing these few verses. What we see here at the end of this passage are two words that we're reframing for his readers that combated the other philosophies that he mentions in this letter, uh, and that these two words were likely a bit shocking to uh, the original readers in Colossae. These two words should be exhilarating for us and should help define our life and faith here in 2022. And the two words that should make us sit up and take notice are this, and this is the secret that Christ lives in you. In you. This is incredible when we see what Paul is doing here. So let's think about this for a moment. What if I told you that the, the main difference, the prime difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament could be summarized by these two words in you? In the Old Testament, we mostly see the presence of God presented all around God's people. We are used to seeing God in the Old Testament in moments like, the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night, right? We read that God resided between the cherubim, the angels on, uh, in the mercy seat on top of the, the Ark of the Covenant. We're used to reading about God residing in the most holy place in the heart of the tabernacle and then later in the temple. We're used to reading about God being in the storm or in the gentle whisper of the wind. We read about messengers in the Old Testament coming to speak to people with a message from God, and sometimes even that messenger is God himself. So for many people in Paul's day, and maybe uh, even for us today, we're used to and very comfortable with thinking about God's presence as an external reality, right? A presence that is all around us or even outside of us. Now, God does work in that way, and it's important to realize that. But what makes this passage so genius and what Paul is doing, it's so smart, is remember he's a Pharisee. He, he knows very well the history of God's people. He knows their stories. He knows their history. Uh, he knows the tendencies of how people think about God and how God worked in that day. Most people couldn't or didn't conceive of God in any other way beyond an outside force whose actions have some effect on the world. We're very comfortable with that because I think sometimes we think about God like that too. So Paul is doing an incredible thing by he's writing about the, This is the secret. Christ lives in you. The first thing that Paul is doing is trying to get people to change the categories of how they think about God, especially Jesus, and the effect that it had on their lives. This is a significant shift in thinking for the early Christians. And it did have a major effect on how they lived out their life. And it should have a major effect on how we live out our lives as well. Because what it did is it emphasized the point of that in relationship with God, it emphasized transformation. That God living in us actually can make a difference in our lives, can actually make a difference in how we think and what we experience. It's almost like Paul was saying, "Great, you're starting to get it, but you're not quite there." because God did something that no one saw coming, no one's thought about before, and it's game-changing. Again, this, this is scripture, but God has given me the responsibility of serving as church by proclaiming the entire message to you. The message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret that Christ lives in you. Incredible. Real life change can happen uh, and it's possible in you through a renewed relationship with a God who's not just out there, but is in here. Praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, You can just, I I, I think, you know, you can maybe just imagine some uh, jaw-dropping moments as they come to this understanding. Like, it's like an aha moment when they make the connection between their inward experience with God and this idea of what Jesus called the Holy Spirit. This is so powerful. And I just want to encourage us today because this is something that we might, we know of. But I think we need to be reminded of the power and significance of this, both for the early Christian community, which makes a significant impact in how we understand what God is doing. You see, G- you see, the, the Messiah did in fact come in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the God man. God was now with us in human flesh. Emmanuel the promise became Emmanuel the person. But still, the vision was not fully realized because Jesus told his disciples that when he went away, ascending to the Father, that the Holy Spirit would come. And there it is. Not only God with us, but now God in us. Incredible. Before Jesus died on the cross, he told his disciples in John 14, starting in verse 16, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because the world isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He continues No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. you kind of read that with the, maybe a, a new perspective on what, at what Paul is saying here. It gives it a little bit more significance maybe with what Jesus is teaching. This is incredible stuff. It's an important categorical change of thinking about God for people in Paul's day. Again, we might be used to this idea, but it is no less powerful for us today, and it should make a difference in how we live our life. It should make a difference in how you live in your workplace, with your families, uh, in your neighborhoods. It should have an effect on how we think, how we act, what we say and how we're in a relationship with each other, knowing that God is in us. I love it. It's challenging, isn't it? It's not easy, but it's so, so good. So I think that it's clear that uh, the disciples uh, with Jesus, they didn't really understand what all of this meant while Jesus was with them, while he was alive. And here in, in, uh, and I think this is true of the early Christian community too because Paul here in Colossians is emphasizing this point and helping the Christian community understand what Jesus was trying to teach. And you and I need to hear it too. This mystery, long hidden and now revealed, right, is not only God with us, it's Christ In us. And that was the vision from the start, the vision of Eden, not just God with us, but God in us. It's it's fascinating when you look back at the stories, beginning of the Old Testament, and you track it all the way to Jesus, the plan that God had for full and complete transformation and restoration. So, how does this happen? How does this start for us? Well, Paul tells us a little bit earlier in the letter and a little bit later. And he starts just a little bit earlier in in chapter 1, uh, verse 13. He says, For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it starts with Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins and through faith the removal of all the barriers that were in the way between us and God. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Jesus. That's incredible stuff. And then a little bit later, uh, Paul says this, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Isn't that incredible to be reminded of the way that this starts? Right, so Jesus through his death and his resurrection deals once and for all with issues of sin and death in our life. He redeems, he restores, he renews, and he brings life as his spirit fills us. It's part of the new life of God's spirit actually living in us, ruling and reigning in our heart and in our mind. The advocate will never leave you. The Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Pretty incredible, isn't it? So Paul is helping his readers gain some much-needed perspective on how God works, opening their hearts to a brand new life of faith. And this is true for us as well. It should enliven us, invigorate us. So the question I think that we should be asking might be, is the powerful Spirit of God reigning and ruling in my heart and in in my mind, And is that Spirit shown out in my life? If so, is my life marked by the characteristics of the Spirit of God? Now, we'll talk more in the weeks to come about the marks of the Holy Spirit. But in short, what makes someone who is filled in the Spirit and growing in spiritual maturity, it isn't physical any longer like it used to be for the early Jewish community. The marks of someone who is part of God's family and someone who is Uh, filled by the Holy Spirit, this is going to be a passage that you know so well, are this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, uh, there is no law against these things. So as you look at this, you can maybe ask the question, does that describe me? <laughs> uh, sometimes yes and sometimes no, right? So we all know that we're in a process of growth in, in the life of Jesus. I'm thankful we get to do this all together. None of us are perfect. God's grace is, is significant and sufficient for us all, right? But we are headed in this direction. We need to pursue it with all our heart. Paul is pushing this perspective shift. God is uh, not only an outside entity whose actions have an effect in the world all around us. God's spirit is in you, actually transforming you from the inside out. Incredible stuff. Powerful stuff. And I hope we're reminded of what is happening and, uh, uh, and inspired by it. That's the first thing that Paul's doing in just these few verses. There's another thing, another reason why all of this is so important is that Paul is writing about an embodied Messiah. And here's another reason why this is so significant, a significant reason why the Holy Spirit making a difference in our life is so important. And it's this. Because I mentioned last week one of the things that were happening in the city of, or in the larger area of Colossians and those few other little towns and even into Ephesus uh, in that whole area was that uh, there was this other teaching going on called Gnosticism. And it's kind of complicated, but Gnosticism was partly defined by what's called dualistic thinking. Uh, And what that means is that Gnostics believed that everything that was physical or material was inherently evil. And that everything that was spiritual was good. And there's a lot to that, but essentially in Gnosticism, the key to salvation was that a person needed to find a secret knowledge, a treasured knowledge that once learned would enable the seeker's spirit to ascend out of this physical evilness, ascend up to God, ascend up to heaven, escaping the evil mortal shell of this physical body. So this was a teaching that was happening, and it was confusing to the early Christian community, and it was getting mixed with the gospel. It was getting mixed with the message of Jesus. That's a real kind of simple definition of it. But we still find this kind of dualistic thinking in our world today. So many people are spiritually curious and looking for answers and so many people think that the answer is to escape this world, thinking that they either have to earn their way to God or ascend up to heaven somehow. We see this defining some of the major religions in our world. Now, there are plenty of implications to this, and, and uh, this type of thinking quickly leads to despair. There's no hope here on earth. Nothing good can be here, right? We're stuck in this evil place Nothing's good, so who cares what happens as long as we can escape the darkness? That was happening back in the day of Colossians and is happening in our world in so many places today. And that's why I think Paul is so genius in his writing and why this letter is so important. Actually, you see him writing against this in more than just this letter. Uh, But it's so important to realize, and Paul makes it an important aspect of his writing, that we have an embodied Savior. In the flesh and in the blood. He's the redeemer, restorer, and creator of all things. There is hope here and now. We don't have to find a secret knowledge. We don't have to ascend to heaven. You know why? Because God came down to us. And he redeems and restores us. It's incredible. So now, even though Jesus is no longer with us, he was in a physical way. The Gospels make that clear. The letters uh, of the rest of the New Testament make that clear. So while we no longer have Jesus with us, you know what we have? The Spirit that lives in you and me. Our Savior and the hope of the world is still embodied walking around in you and me. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing that we get to be part of the true reflection of the hope of this world. Real hope as the Spirit fills us. God's making real change in real people, in real situations here and now on earth. So do you see why it's so important to be uh, talking about being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Look in Colossians 2, 8-10. Paul says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that came from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ, for, Christ, uh, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. You see what he's doing? It's genius. He's writing against this and telling us who God is. Uh, so you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. One author I read this week wrote this. We think so much about the, pre, uh, about the presence of God as a kind of phenomenon that exists around us. The New Testament primarily views the presence of God as dwelling within us. We have thought so much about the plan of salvation as getting us into heaven. And all along, the plan of salvation has been to get heaven into us. Again, Colossians 1, 25 through 27 says this, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past and now has been revealed to God's people. Do You see what he's doing there? He's being a little playful with the Gnostics. He's like, oh, you're looking for secret knowledge, right? Let me tell you what it is. It's not so secret. Uh, for God wanted them to know that all the uh, know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. In other translations, he used treasure. It's the treasure of God. You know that treasure you're looking for. Here it is, and this is the secret: Christ lives in you. And this gives the assurance of sharing His glory. But then look at the verses that immediately follow this passage. The next two verses read: So we tell others about Christ. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us, we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. <laughs> the mighty power that we find that Paul talks about that's working within him works within you and me as well. Real change, real hope real treasure. It's here, it's now, it's embodied, it's not a secret, but it's a grace-filled invitation for anyone who wants to come. And you and I get to be a part of that. God in you, the hope of glory. Let's go, right? Come on, let's go out right now. Let's do it. This kind of gets me all excited when we realize what this is. Worship team, would you come on back up? So I want to encourage you this week. And actually, I'm so thankful that uh, this message is coming on this day when we get to participate in uh, communion together, <laughs> celebrating the, embodied, the embodiment of God in Jesus and what he's done for us. How appropriate for us. So I want to encourage you this week just to spend some time in prayer. Read through Colossians. Read it multiple times. It doesn't take that long to go through it. Pay attention to the language that Paul uses that grounds Jesus uh, and the work of God into real experience. Seek the Holy Spirit with all your heart. Uh, we, we mentioned that the fruit of the Spirit, that's for, that comes from Galatians 5. Read that this week. Reflect on the, whole, on the role of the Holy Spirit in you. And ask, how are you putting all of this on display in a real way in your life that gives people hope? The hope that you've been given in Jesus. These two words should be exhilarating for us and should help define our life of faith. Paul writes in, this is the secret, that Christ lives in you. Let's pray.